People on the interweb, uh, I'm your host, Peter Karutz. This is Deacon Tom Burke Hello. from that little chapel in Cottleville. And we're going to be talking uh, about, I guess, abortion, the ramifications, the forgiveness. But the title of the program is Who We Are to God and Who God Is to Us. So please join in. Well, thank you, Matt. And I am your host today, Peter Carruth. We are on St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. And we are here live in studio with Deacon Tom Burke. Deacon, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I yeah. appreciate it, Peter. And De Deacon serves at this little tiny chapel in St. Charles called uh, St. Joseph's, St. Right? Joseph's, Yeah, yes. little, little, little bitty tiny chapel. That's a joke we have. There's over 5,000 <laughs> families in that church. Well, we're thrilled that you're here. And we have, we have a subject that's going to both tug at your heartstrings. It's going to give you an uplifting feeling that we know that God is there to forgive us. And it's going to get real, very, really very real. Um, the title of the program is Who Are We to God? And who is God to us? Who are we to God and who is God to us? Deacon and I talked about this uh, program for a couple of days now, and it's been evolving. Um, but we all know that there's been this uh, leaked document, uh, supposedly, from uh, a, 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 one of the justices of the Supreme Court. But it's, uh, and we're not going to necessarily talk a whole lot about that, <laughs> but at least uh, it has been the prompter to a lot of conversation that has been going on out in the world, um, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, and some of it has been very vigorous, to say the least. Um, are we on the right track, Deacon? We are on the right track, and actually that's one of the great things about uh, this new awareness that people have on their kitchen tables and their bars or where they're talking about the abortion, the right to life, and the, and the right to take a life or, or, or the right pro-choice, is that, is that even Judge Alito in the, in the supposed uh, uh, possible opinion says that, that that was the idea of whether we talk about it the idea of whether we talk about whether what life means early on, what life means in stages before birth, and what life means afterwards, was totally uh, hijacked by the Supreme Court decision in Roe versus Wade because it made a ruling that didn't allow anybody to talk about it anymore. So, in a way, having this uh, uh, scandalous, as a, as a lawyer, I think it's scandalous that someone would take a a floating opinion that uh, Supreme Court justices do all the time. Sure, yeah. Float around opinions until they come up with a, an idea that they, that, that, that they can actually light on and, and, and present to people for people to rely on, that that would be leaked as, as, as an attorney. That's very scandalous to me. But having said that, before we get into that, I was hoping you might indulge me for just a couple minutes because this is the only second, well, I think it may be the third time in, in eight years I've been on, on, on the radio with you, but only the second time in, in a month. And, and I'd like to say 
how much I appreciate you. Oh I appreciate goodness. you being here. I appreciate your wit, the depth of your understanding that I've, that I've gotten to know. I also appreciate, since I'm retired, so much that you work in the, in the community and you work out in the world and you travel in commerce and you pay taxes for that. I need you to pay your taxes for that. That's yeah. very good. I appreciate that you're such a vital member of our community, not only the religious community, but also but also the, the, the functioning industrial community, the gross national product of our society. And, you know, if, if you don't mind me going just a little bit farther. I, sure. Come I, on. I, I'm, I, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I, 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 even, I even value you not only because you're in the community and, and you're doing this and you're, you're making products, but I understand you have a family and that you've raised a family the best you can. I value that so much that you're able to do that because of what you contribute to our local community. And then if you don't mind me, I, I was trying to figure out there, there's something else here that I, that, that I couldn't get my finger on it and maybe I could go a little farther in that you've been involved in in the accounting type industry for a long time did you get some type of degree for that I did I, uh, I have a degree I have degrees from Loyola University in business administration and um, CPA accounting oh wow that's that's way more than I than, than than I could ever hope I could do and having said that I, I appreciate the fact that somewhere along the line you uh, got the idea to be in that type of business and then you followed it up with the, that determination and that fortitude and that will that caused you to go to school and get these different degrees from places that weren't even or even locally around here so you had to travel and do that and you acted in commerce to do that what a valuable person you become in, in our society and, and if I could go even one more step farther because I feel like I value even more than that that even before you went to school you were probably in high school somewhere and you interacted with other people and I, I, you may have siblings I think you might do and, and you interacted with them and you added you added to the conversation of our community and, and the mosaic of, of what was going on in that individual high school I, I'm not from St. Louis but if I was I'd ask you what high school you went to what, what high school was it? I, I didn't go to high school in St. Louis I, I went to a small minor seminary in Donaldson, Indiana, Divine Heart Seminary. Well, I see. That's fantastic. The seminary needed you at that time. Just in that point in time, they needed you to be there so you could interact with other seminarians. That your your choice to go there and to be put there by your family, their sacrifice for you is is something that I can perceive even today in how you interact and how you do your willingness to come out in that. And that was something that you got even before you went into that minor seminary. So I don't doubt that I appreciate you even even more than what I've talked about because of something else. Even before you went into high school, you were in grade school and you interacted with other people. You didn't end up in a juvenile delinquent society, as far as I can tell. You didn't, or reformatory. You tried to conform yourself to the law of whatever it was in that school. And even before that, if you don't mind me asking, and the reason why I really do value you in addition to all that is not the cumulative nature of what brought you here today, but everything before that, even before you went into that grade school, you were somewhere in your family's household. Now, I'm not going to praise your mom one way or another for having you or your dad one way or another for contributing that. But what I'm going to say is this, is what a beautiful little boy you must have been, you know? I'm just saying it because you're a handsome man now, and, I, and, and it looks like the precursor to that must have been something before. So the, the post hoc ergo proctor hoc, that I know that something happens now because of something before, means that I really see in you, even today, that potentiality that you had way back before you even entered 
school. And if you won't mind, I'll even go one more step farther. That before you even had that potentiality that you would be in school and interact with your classmates in grade school, and that you would be able to, 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 to look like you had enough function to be able to even enter into kindergarten back then or whatever it was, your folks saw that and admired that in you. And, and they actually cultivated that. But somehow you had that even before that. So let me take you back to even to your birth. Now, I have a little trouble there, if you don't mind. Me too. I don't remember Because when well. I get back to your birth and I contemplate that your birth, Peter, and I say, oh, what a wonderful thing his birth is. But see, at that point, I, I can't tell that you are going to be a CPA. And I, I, at, that ta- at that point, I couldn't tell that you would be able to excel in the seminary and go on to decide to have a family. I can't tell that that was your potentiality back then. You were just a spitting up, eating kind of person back then and, 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 and whatever else little babies do that we won't get into. But having said that, I still honor the fact that somewhere along the line, that was something that your folks thought was a good idea, that they had some, they had even in themselves, intentionality, not knowing what your prospect would be but intentionality in your outcome. And then if I go back just a little bit farther before that, only maybe eight or nine months, yeah. all of a sudden you were conceived. And, and if you don't mind, that's the context in which the entire Catholic Church and, and our Christian brothers and sisters that agree with us look at the idea of your life. And, and, and I celebrate that, not because of the fact that you being here with me honors me and makes me feel like I'm somebody, but more more so because I know that there's a divine spark in you. And maybe, unfortunately, that's the difference between people who believe in pro-abortion and people who believe in pro-life, is where is that divine spark? You know, is there a divine spark in everyone, and when is that placed in them? And and, And I've read some articles from Harvard Law Review on abortion and stuff. And basically, they take the position that a child being born is like a freeloader in your house. Yeah, really. Yeah. And isn't that a, a parasite. Isn't that a, isn't that a prospect that, right. that I, I, I didn't think that, that now as I'm retired and not in the commerce of, of, of the United States and not contributing as much to the gross national product, that now I become a burden Oh. I become a parasite. I become someone who's not worth as much. And, and unfortunately, that's the, that's the other side of the coin to, the, pro, to the pro-life, uh, pro-death, as I would call it, or, or, or uh, abortion side of the, of the spectrum. But I, I thought if you, uh, thank you for allowing me just to spend a couple oh, minutes sure. and, and honoring you for, what, for, for who you are, maybe even just outside of what you've done. Right. And that's, isn't that the, the, the real uh, value that a person has? It's not what we've done, but who has found value in us. And first and foremost, that was God and his creative act when we were just a tiny, itty-bitty uh, uh, thought, if you will. And now uh, when we're grown and maybe not productive, if you will, as you suggested, and I think you are productive, it, you still have great value. Why? Because God loves you and God has created you and he has intentioned you to have a wonderful uh, future. He loves you and he has a plan for you. And he he, he has a plan for you now, but at the instant of your creation, he had a plan for you. 
Well, actually, that kind of relates, and I'm not going to go down this road very far because it would be an entirely different program, but it kind of relates a little bit to my value to God, okay? Uh, If I think that I'm only valuable to God and how uh, pure I am or how unsinful I am and how separate I can be, which is holy and sanctified for him, if that's the nature of who I am, then unfortunately I'm kind of an orphan. I'm not in God's good graces until I do something, until I have value. And yet that's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, you will have life because of me and life abundantly. That's why I came. That's John 10, 10. And so if we accept that and we say, okay, I am a son or daughter of God, therefore I'm able to do things, and therefore I'm going to be with God, it's entirely different than saying, only if I have worth. Am I worth anything to God? And if my worth is not good enough, then I don't have the ability to be in, he- in heaven and unit with him. That's a whole different theology, one that the Catholic Church has never accepted. That's right. Yeah. No, and, you know, we talked about commerce, right, and capitalism, if you will, and almost any social interaction. You're exchanging something that is valuable to me, to you, and you think it's valuable, and I've done something for you, if you will. No, no good that we do, no acts that we can perform help God. He loves us because we are who we are, not because of what we can do for him, because there isn't anything we can do for him that will change him, that will improve his state of perfection. He loves us like a father does. He loves us because we're his and he's ours. And, and, and that few moments that I just talked about you, and if I knew you more, I, with the whole hour would be taken <laughs> up by that. But having said that, and, and, and maybe I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but have, no, having right. said that, that's how God God thinks of you all the time. Uh, uh, our our church fathers, and in, in some of the documents that we could look up, and and I've looked up some of them, but truly, uh, what what they say uh, is this: that man that and woman, that humans are the only creature that God created for himself. Yeah. So, so if that's true, if we've been elevated to that, then all kinds of other things come from that. But if that's not true, if we are just a mechanism for, for the consumption of goods and or the ability to in- increase someone else's enjoyment in this world, if that's all we are, and we are a sorry state of firewood yeah, that, can't, absolutely. That, that has very little benefit to anybody except eventually you become charcoal at best. And God's, God's love is a, a definition of what true, true love is. It's, it's not what you get from the other person. It's self-giving. And God's not getting anything from us, but he is loving us. He is totally self-donative in, in, in his gift, not for what he has to get from us, but what he has to give to us. Again, as, as fathers, that's, that's what our call is to do. And that's what we can... And I think sometimes the metaphor of father uh, as, a, as a human father, if you will, and the love we have for our children is um, at least a poor example of what God's love is for us. It's, it's completely unselfish and selfless. We, we give to our children and we love them because of who they are, not because of what they do for us. Well, it's wonderful that you use the word donative, because when we listen to uh, the Congregation for the, for the Faith, 
and some of the documents they write, they really draw a distinction between the donative nature of who we are and the dominant nature of who we are. It, in the world, which is the animal world, the insect world, it's a dominant nature, right? right yeah. They dominate whatever they can in order to get whatever they can in order to, to survive. I'm sorry if it sounds too much like our culture. But having said that, uh, we, do we dominate or are we donative? And the church says, just as you're saying, God is so giving, he gives us an example to give also. And, then that, and if we donate ourselves, we find who we truly are. We find who we truly are. Yeah. By, by giving, we're, we're, we truly are the ones who are, are benefiting. Um, so I, I think what you've said in a few minutes is uh, that uh, it is um, our relationship with God. Who, who are we to God and who is God to us? And we, we've talked a little bit about who God is, who, who we are to God, but now I think it's the other one. Who is God to us? So this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we're with Deacon Tom Burke from St. Joseph in Cottleville. And I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this. Not only that you made me feel so good and valued, uh, but you're taking this in a, in a whole higher uh, dimension, right? We, we're trying to figure out where, where our relationship is with God. And that's going to help us put things in the proper perspective, right, as we move forward. Um, so what you were a little bit, uh, I could see you squirming in your chair a little bit when I was saying how, <laughs> how much I appreciate not, you. And, not used to that, man. <laughs> and, 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 and I wasn't putting you on, but, but that also shows us something else, doesn't it? I mean, uh, how should I say this? If I compliment you, uh, your knee-jerk reaction is going to say, well, your hair looks nice, too. Uh, and, and why is that? Because we, we, it's so difficult to, us, to receive the full gift of the Father's love. And we we yeah. need to receive the full gift. And the reason for that is we're constantly, perpetually intersected with our fallibility. Mm -hmm. And who says that to us? Well, what? Everybody says that to us. I'm, I'm, I'm pulled down by other people in the community who, who uh, maybe don't like me. Uh, uh, some of our society even shows us that, that in order to get ahead, you have to climb over somebody. We've seen that, that image before. But truly, God doesn't think anything like that of us. So it's the evil one constantly attack, attacking us at our identity. And that started with Adam and Eve, right? And that's the, the fact is the church's belief and it's my belief about you too, is that you're made in the image and likeness of God. And if you're made in the image and likeness of God, you must have been so uniquely contemplated from, by him from the beginning and must be, have your unique way of interacting with the world. And that's a way that is like a diamond. It's like no other and cannot be created to do anything else except the glory of God. So all that makes me so excited to be in your presence. And if I'm in your presence and excited about that, then I know who God is because of who he's made you. Now, you may hurt me, and you may say things that, and, and, our, and our people we love have a unique way of doing that. But that, doesn't, that isn't God. God is always saying, I love you. I am love. I will never love you less than I do today. No matter what you do, you cannot keep me from loving you. No matter where you end up, heaven forbid hell, or purgatory, or heaven with me eventually, I will love you totally. 
accepting that is very difficult since the evil one continually wants to say, I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, I'm not, um, I'm not strong enough theologically to come in and talk to you about how, how beautiful God is. But I can tell you, I take a breath. Therefore I am. Therefore I love God and God loves me so infinitely. And if you could, if people out there should say, could, were able to say this with the truth that Jesus heard and the truth of our baptism, that this, this one statement, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It's the constant mantra of God for each one of us. That's right. And, and that's, uh, you know, we, we are sometimes surprised at ourselves at what we may do or how we may fail. Um, but God loves us as our beloved, his beloved son. You know, I, I, I was telling somebody about this great book I read 30 years ago. I wound up giving it to a friend in another country 20 years ago. I, it's a thousand pages long, but here in the now, in this moment, the book is present to my mind, the whole thousand pages. I know what happened from beginning to end. And in a, in a little way, it's kind of like God. At the moment of our conception, at the day we turn 30 or 60, at any point in time, in all points in time, we were present to God in all those times. We may surprise ourselves that we, we've, we've sinned or we've done something bad, and we wonder if there's forgiveness out there for us. But in God's view of us, in God's perception or in God's apprehension of us, it's all now. He's not surprised. He loves us. Full stop, period. He loves us. So never worry about being uh, insecure of God's forgiveness or the possibility of forgiveness. He already knows what we did. He knows before we did it what we did. And he's there, as you said, he's looking at us like his beloved children. He, he, he's coming to us with total love. So come to him. He's, he, he's, he's loving you already before you ask. Well, I'm so glad that you, that you made that clear that I don't have to work to get into his love. I, I, I'm, I'm immersed in it. And, and we're awash in the miracles of God's love for us. You know, uh, one of the parts of the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, that I love and I love to quote is... Uh, Catherine Siena, the beautiful, the beautiful doctor of the church. And Catherine Siena talked to Jesus, as we all do, and he talked back, as we all should be able to try to listen, and I prom- would promote that in, in each of us. But they, they had a unique relationship. And she said to Jesus one time, and this is in like paragraph 1940-something of the ca- Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's actually printed in there. It says, she said, Jesus, why don't we all get all the gifts? And, of course, on the flip side of that is why aren't we all perfect? Why don't we have all the things? Right. And, and, and you know what Jesus said to her? Mm. <laughs> he said, so you'll need each other. Yeah. So, so carry that one step farther. We needed Jesus so much that he came into the world. And if, and if you don't mind me getting a little esoteric on this, I was reading just today in the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, uh, the divine office, which many people play, pray all throughout the church. And in there, St. Cyril of uh, Alexandra, uh, he said something that was strikingly pertinent to our conversation, and that was this. He says, Jesus took on our humanity, and when he did, he elevated and created us into a new humanity. 
Now, that doesn't mean that, that, that we have, you know, six fingers instead of five. But having said that, he, 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 he put the divine into us that was lost at the time of Adam and Eve's original sin, right? Mm-hmm. So, so as they were attacked at their identity, where, as it said, you will not be gods, and he goes, she goes, what do you mean? I, if I eat this apple, I'll, I'll, I'll be a God? And he says, yes, if you eat this apple, you'll be a God. They were already made in the image and likeness of God. So that was a lie. So then he turns to Jesus and Jesus says, come into the world and I'll put the divine spark back into your life. Now, if I didn't believe you had a divine spark, if I didn't believe that you were made in the image and likeness of God, if I didn't believe in that singularity, which is, which is that singularity of spirit and, and, and humanity, which is what St. John Paul II talks about. If I didn't believe in that, then you don't really matter as much to me because I believe that it's in me. Isn't that intrinsically in all of us? Ask yourself, it, without knowing what you know about theology, if you were just sitting here like a bump in the log, which I've done many, numerous times, if I just sat there and thought, am I special? Well, the evil one says we're not. Correct. But each one of us knows in a certain sense that we are special, that we're sentient, that we're meant to relate to others and to relate to God. And in that space is the beginning of an understanding that, that we can get past the words religion. Because if I talk to somebody who's, who's pro-abortion and I start talking about religion, they, you, know, it's, it, you might as well turn the TV off. It, you know, they're not listening to that but they know what it means to be special in some way yeah. without me telling them that. But you're right in two respects, two different senses. You know, the evil one is always telling, trying to tell us that we aren't special, that we are bad and we deserve all that you know, we get and we're not, we're not beloved by God and on and on and on. But even if we are speaking to someone who is uh, pro-abortion, if you will, uh, in a scientific fashion, which in, in, in my uh, pride and arrogance, I think, well, I can talk to anybody and talk about the value of life from a purely scientific standpoint. And you know what? I fail every time. And I think we, I fail because it is the evil one putting a block in there. What is his main goal? His main goal, the enemy's main goal, is to keep us away from the love of God. And, and putting up this block is sometimes the uh, the block of coming to the I'll say uh, being able to articulate that we did something wrong. It's hard to ask forgiveness if we haven't done anything wrong. But if the evil one keeps saying you did nothing wrong, then how do we ask for forgiveness? And so what do we do instead? We suffer. We suffer in our sin. We suffer from the lack of the love of God or a lack of friendship with God. We have turned God away from the love he's already willing to extend us. Why? Because for some reason, we think we're unloved because of what we did. There's the evil one again. Well, isn't that that a rebellious nature too? Uh, You can't tell me what to do with my own body because if you do... I must believe there's something greater than me. Right, yeah. There's something greater than me. And, and there is something greater than me, and it is our Lord who loves us so, so desperately. Our next breath is just depending upon his will. From the time of all eternity, he has taken what we have to say, to think, to pray, into consideration. Think about that. At the moment of creation, 
God listened to our voice today. How much does he love us? How much does he love us? We'll be back in just about two minutes, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the forgiveness side of this very important issue. So please invite a friend to come and join us. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E.org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Welcome back to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. And we are here live in studio with Deacon Tom Burke. He's assigned to St. Joseph Parish in Cottleville. I won't joke around and get and say that little tiny chapel, but it is a very big parish. And uh, they're blessed to have you. Thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much, Peter. We've been talking about a lot uh, in this past half hour so far. We've been talking about who God is and and who God is to us, right? That we are these valuable, important people. And and we got to know that God loves us. But let's let's get let's get a little deeper. Let's let's get a little more personal as to when we really need God and what do we do? What should we do? What can we do? Um, I, I was uh, working on a project and I forget what city it was in, and um, the people we were supposedly adversarial with, we wound up becoming very good friends with, and uh, and it became a very a collegial kind of activity. We worked together, and it was good. And one of the guys who we were with um, was given a, a huge promotion. And quite frankly, we're proud of him. We really were. So there's this seven guys, um, uh, and, and this gentleman, uh, the seven of us, we're all, we're all from out of town, and we want to celebrate. We invite him to dinner. And we say, why don't you bring your wife? So he says, yeah, okay. So he brought his wife. And we're all walking into this large restaurant uh, to a big round table, and as we're getting to our seats, he was sitting with his wife. She said something disparaging about the church. And as you know, I 
tend to talk a little bit. So I tried to say something nice in a positive fashion, and she didn't like it, and she said something else. And, and, and his, her husband said, Peter, you just give it up now because she's, she's going to eat your lunch. She's, you can't mess with her. And, and, and again, you know, it, it, her, the heat kept going up. I didn't participate in the heat, but I just, you know, I mean, what's our, what's our obligation in every encounter? Really, bring the love of Jesus Christ to someone. Absolutely. But it kept getting up and up and up. And it, it was it was uh, it was tense to say the least. We talked about everything in the world, and I don't even remember what it was. And it stopped. And she stood up, and she walked all the way around the table, and tapped the guy in the shoulder next to me, and says, "I need to sit here." And she whispered to me. She said, "You know, we celebrated our twins' birthday this week." I said, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, two and a half years old, right? Yeah. She says, no, we didn't. She said, I don't have twins. I have triplets. I, I went through in vitro, and the doctor told me that I had to reduce one. And they made me choose which child I would kill. And I'm going to hell because I killed my child. There was such deep hurt in this woman that it invaded her life. She's angry about I don't know what and I don't know who and all kinds of things. But what was the source of that? The source of that was the heartache of a mother having to choose which child to kill. Oh, yeah. Wow. There is so much hurt out there. There's so much hurt out there, and God is standing ready to forgive you. You don't have to live with this hurt. Well, I, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that story, and, and thank you for sharing it. And, 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 and even, in, even in how you told it, my heart goes out to this woman. And there are wounds out there. We all, we all have some wounds to some degree. And there's some very severe, deep wounds into people. I think if, if you don't mind, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know this person, and God's outside of time, and he's out of, outside of geography. And, and there's other people out there that, that, that don't feel like they can be forgiven because they can't forgive themselves first. Yeah. They think they should be able to forgive themselves first before they ever ask for forgiveness, which is backwards, of course. But maybe just in, in, in just a moment, just a moment, we, could, we can open our hearts up to our Lord and say, Please forgive me. I accept your forgiveness. Lord, please forgive me. I accept your forgiveness. Because accepting that forgiveness is like a, how should I say it? It's like, it's like a wash over us. I think people would use the, the example of, of the blood of Christ from the cross washing over us. And, and uh, you know, I don't want to be too graphic to, to bother anybody, but it, it is palpable that I'm, I'm such, a, such a failure in my own mind if I look at myself that I don't want to look at myself. Right, yeah. And yet, I've never been a failure in his eyes. And, and people then say, since I am so wounded and so hurt and I've hurt so many other people, then I'm not worthy to stand in the shadow of the cross and to accept the forgiveness of Christ. And yet he said, 
I didn't come because you were worthy. I came because you were lovable. I came because you were loved beyond measure. And my love for the Father was what I carried with me to the cross. So we celebrate that during Easter. I should have started our conversation with Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yeah. We are in the Easter season. But, but God loves you so much that this moment, this lady, we could ask for that love now as a little prayer for her. Lord, fill her heart with your love. Fill her, your heart, her heart with the breath of your life, with the warmth of the, your spirit, with the Holy Spirit that is beyond all understanding that will give her the peace that comes from being held in your arms. That's, that's this, a simple little prayer. I just made it up, but I wish that for her, and I can extend my heart to her. You know, we talk about forgiveness and, and whether a person could actually be forgiven. And, and uh, it reminds me of a letter. St. Teresa Lisieux, the little flower, yeah. uh, she died in her early 20s. She was a Carmelite, as I recall. And she uh, would write letters back and forth. They, they didn't talk, you know, so, so they had to write letters back and forth. And one of her uh, fellow uh, Convert sisters was somewhere else and wrote a letter and said, I don't understand God's forgiveness. I just don't understand it. And uh, she, this is what she wrote back. It's a synopsis. She said, she said, God's forgiveness is like this. Two children did something terribly wrong to the father. And they knew it. And they knew the father knew it. And so they're standing there and one runs away. But the other one comes to the father, climbs up into the father's lap, turns to the father, looks him in the eye and says, please forgive me with a kiss. Now, what parent would possibly turn that down, right? And when I do baptism prep, sometimes I've used that story. I, I, and I tell the parents, don't tell your teenagers that because... <laughs> Because yeah. they, may, they may use it over and over again and wear it out. But having said that, isn't that, isn't that the nature of what we want the Father be, to be like? And, and the evil one says, well, the Father can't be like that because you flunked that test. Mm. Or the Father can't be like that because your business failed. Or the Father can't be like that because, because a child died and no child should die before a parent. Mm-hmm. Those are the type of things that the evil one tells us right. in order for order to set up roadblocks to the Father's forgiveness, to the Father's love, and to Jesus who wants so desperately, he desperately wants to be with us because yeah. that's what he thirsts for. And, and to all the mothers and fathers out there, you know, I, I'm a man, so I relate to it as a father, but if I see my child suffering as a child or as an adult or, or whatever their circumstance, you know, cold, suffering, and depressed, whatever it is, it, it breaks your heart. And what do I want to do, whether I can fix it or not? As a human parent, I can't do everything, right? But I want to hold them and tell them I love them and tell them everything will be okay. Well, that's what our Father is offering to us. He, he's ready to hold us and love us. And he really, when he says everything will be okay, he, his word comes to be. It will be okay because he said so. So I guess the challenge for us, the challenge for us with whoever we meet and we talk to is, are we willing to let Jesus enter into the conversation? 
Mm, you know, right, are, are we right. let, we're willing to let Jesus enter into that wound? You know, I've, I've covered up my injuries that I've done to other people, and I've covered up the injuries that I have received from others and just from life with so many rational things, so many patchworks of, of, uh, of, of salves and soothes and things that help my personality. It's really another thing to be able to say, okay, I'm going to take this memory of when I hurt somebody, and I'm going to allow Jesus to enter into that memory. I'm going to take the, even the memory of the day that I felt so desperate I had to abort a child. Yeah. I'm going to take that memory that I cannot get out of my mind for the life of me, and I'm going to ask that the Lord enter into that memory, not to wipe it away, but to, but to enter into it and heal me. And if we do that, if we really do that, if you're, if you're willing to take that, that leap with me, even in this next couple moments on the radio, and say, I'm willing to bring this memory of something terrible that happened to me or something terrible that I was a part of, and I'm willing to let you enter into this and reveal to me what that lie is. What was the lie that I believed? Well, I believed that, that I, I wasn't good enough or that I was alone or I was desperate or I was in despair or I was disillusioned or I'd, I had disobeyed everything that I had grown up as a, as, a, as a young child to own. And I, and I, and I can't own this anymore because it's so terrible. If you're willing to take all those lies and ask Jesus to heal the lies, then here's the next beautiful thing that people don't understand understand that I can't help but tell you, and that is this. Jesus, replace the lie with a gift. That's what Jesus wants to do. Replace whatever lie I believe about myself or how somebody else perceived me or what I've done. Replace that with a gift. And in that, the memory won't go away, but in that, the memory will have no effect. Isn't that a beautiful way that, that Christ comes? He came on the cross just for that reason. Yeah, and, and all we need to do is take a, take a first step. When we take that first step, we, we realize that God has already taken a couple of steps before we did that first step. But what is that first step? In our own minds, that's our, our human nature. Uh, I, I remember when I was a young child, I used to have nightmares. And, and my, you know, how do you console a child having nightmares when you're not with them? You don't know what to do. My mom used to say, just make the sign of the cross. It was the first step, right? So to, to what you're saying, Deacon, I'd... I'd encourage all, all of our listeners who have that deep suffering, that deep guilt, just, just do something simple. Just make the sign of the cross. You know, we, we as Catholics have this great benefit of, of, um, of prayers, right? Uh, I got to tell you, sometimes I don't have words. I don't know what to ask God, tell him, express my... I don't know what to do. I just know I, I need him. I need help. And, and what do I... What, what, and I don't have the words. I say, Hail Mary. I say, Oh, Father, Right? Uh, glory be. The powerful name of Jesus. Yeah. If 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 you find it, you can't uh, come to church, and that you beat yourself up for that. Yeah. And you find that you can't love other people because you've been hurt so much, and you beat yourself up for that. It's not all you beating yourself up. We've already talked about that. The evil wants to come into our wounds and exacerbate our problems. But the powerful name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the blind man saw. In the name of Jesus, the cripple walked. In the name of Jesus, the leper was healed. In the name of Jesus, the shadow of Peter, given to him by the Holy Spirit, killed, cured people from being injured. 
And so Jesus, Jesus says, I never lied to you. I said, if you believe in me, you will do greater things than even I did. And Peter did. Yeah. We, never, we don't know that. Today's, Jesus, today's first reading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, uh, it's, it's remarkable what's available to us, but, it's, but, but it is, it is a, a wall too high to climb. So the question I have is, Peter, would you, would you walk with me if I can't climb that wall? Yeah. If I can't understand God's forgiveness, will you, will you help me do that? Sure. Well, that's what the church does. That's when right. People, when people abort a child, we, yeah. have, we have so many more resources. And, and this isn't something that was just invented yesterday. The early Christian church went out into the Roman countryside and wherever they could find a child, that's what they did back then, is that if, they didn't want a ch- if it was an unwanted child, they left the child on the road. Abandoned, yeah. And instead of taking those children like, like many uh, nefarious people did and put them into slavery and otherwise, they took them in and they raised them and they called them their beloved daughters, beloved sons, and isn't that what we're called to do, too, with everybody? So if there's somebody who has difficulty, um, has difficulty being forgiven, or be- better yet, somebody you have difficulty forgiving, then there's a, there's a place for you to ask Jesus to enter into that with his gift. And when you do that, when you say, Jesus, enter into this non-forgiveness, enter into and help me forgive, enter into that, by doing that, you're making a gift to God. And God then will gift you, as you said, immensely. Yeah. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Grutz, and we're with Deacon Tom Burke. Uh, program is Who Are We to God and Who is God to Us? You know, I, you're making me think of those, those simple prayers that we can say that just uh, open up our hearts. Jesus, I trust in you. You have the name of Jesus and you've experienced You've expressed your belief in him and confidence in his ability to change your life, enter your heart, and make all things right. Make it okay. Jesus, I trust in you. I mean, I sound like a broken record, but we know that Jesus is truth. Right. Love incarnate, truth incarnate, mercy incarnate. But we also know the evil one can't stand that. Okay? <laughs> so when we express the fact that God loves us, even by saying it out loud, I know God loves me, the evil one just hovers around, but he can't get to us then because it's like, because that brings our, our guardian angel sword to bear. That also brings other people to come forward. God will bring other people into our lives if we use the name of Jesus. And if we say, God loves me, the truth of that will drive away the devil. The truth of it. Absolutely. And, and you know, I was just thinking about those, those times I've failed in a circumstance. I thought God has brought something here to me to do something good. And I've, utterly failed. And um, I, I, I was in my early work career. I was 22, and uh, uh, someone I worked with who I really didn't like, to be honest with you. Uh, she was annoying and all kinds of different stuff. I just didn't like her. I, I'm sure she thought the world of you. Yeah, I'm sure. And um, <laughs> probably not. Anyway, uh, she, she comes in and she's crying. You know, we're, sh- she's, we're sharing it off. She's just crying. And, um, and, and finally she says, don't you, know, don't you want to know why I'm crying? I said, okay, why, why are you crying? She said, I had an abortion this morning. I didn't know what to say. I was so taken aback. She was married. I, I'm 22. I, I, I don't know how to deal with this. 
And then she says, it was my third. You know what? We don't always have the answers, right? Uh, and, and sometimes we're, it's, it's, it's not up to us to have the answers. But, but just put it in God's hands. When you're inadequate, God is not. Um, we, through our failure, he, he makes great successes. Uh, so even if you're confronted with circumstances that are too difficult to even conceive of, put it in God's hands. It's that same prayer. Jesus, I trust in you. Well, also don't discount the fact that there is a ministry of presence. We see that more in religious people than we do in non-religious because they are out, they're out there. But there's such a ministry of presence. I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, I thought this was beautiful, and it's always struck me. Husband and wife have been married for many, many years. I don't know whether it was 50 or 60, but it was a lot. And he was, he was quite elderly, and he was infirmed and unconscious in bed. He was dying. There's no, there, there wasn't any if, bets, or ands about it. And the wife just sat there by the bed. You say, of course, that's the wife. Isn't that the wife's job to do? Sit by the bed and, and, and do, didn't have to. Could have been with the children or whatever. Could have, could have decided not to enter into that painful situation where he might have felt more lonely. And he uh, held her hand. This is a true story. And he was holding her hand, and she was holding a lot, what appeared to be a, a lifeless and get colder hand all the time. And just a few moments, they, he opened his eyes. This is the first time in three days. Looked her in the eye with these piercing blue eyes and then expired. Now, she had the ministry of presence and got to see the look of her beloved for one last moment that seared her heart with the love of God because she was present to him. If, if, if sometimes I can't be, I don't know the right word to say, and I often don't, but I can be present. And, and that's what people who stand outside and pray outside a, an abortion clinic, they're doing a ministry of presence. They don't have to say anything necessarily, but they're present. And people know that somebody cared about them, and they can be Jesus in that spot. Uh, they, can be, they can be Jesus uh, they, uh, at the foot of the cross. They can stand there and say, I'm present to you. You know, Mary and John and um, uh, one other person, Martha, uh, they were present with Jesus at the cross. Did they change anything? No. But they were present to him. Yeah. And we can, we can Put it in God's hands. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. I know I kind of diverted out of, out of what you were talking about, but when you were t the lady came in, she needed to be in the presence of somebody even a no-good stinker like yourself. That's right. And, and she came into that presence because either God drew her to you or, or, and you were able to be present with her. Now, I sure wish that God gave me the right thing to say every time I'm in those situations, but people don't even remember what you say, but they remember that you were there. Yeah, there you are. So, so we, can be, we can be present to people who are suffering and hurt. You know, we can, we can be Christ to them. Uh, there's, there's not much doubt that after Jesus rose, in my own mind, this isn't theologically correct, I guess, but in my own mind, that did he appear to, uh, did he appear to the angels first? Did he appear to, 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 to uh, Mary Magdalene first? Did he appear to uh, John first? And no, he appeared to his mother first. I bet you're right. Yeah, I bet you're right. Yeah. 
And when you're, uh, uh, you know, on, as you said, on the cross, he gave his mother to John, but in reality, he gave her to all of us. So in, in, your, in, in your sorrow and your grief, always know that you have, uh, you have a mother who's loving you too and advocating for you to her, to her son. So what happens when a person then climbs into the lap of God and says, forgive me, forgive me with a kiss, and feels the warmth of God? Well, a couple things happen. Jesus can heal every wound. Jesus can heal every wound. Jesus shall heal every wound. Let's open that wound and show him. But then those are the people who who become fearless mm-hmm. because they, have the, they, they know about the fear of God. I, would, I, I want to be fearless. And if I want to be fearless and not be afraid, if I, don't want to, if I don't want to be plagued by my memories, then I have to ask Jesus to come into those places and make me fearless. And, and I must say that it really, does, it really does work. And sometimes it takes just a, a little leap of faith. Recently, I was, I was giving a brief homily, and based on my talking here today, no one must believe I have much brief homilies. But having said that, I was giving a brief homily, and it made me reflect on at one point, as a, as a cafeteria Catholic, a person who picked and chose what I believed, there were certain things that the Catholic Church said that I wasn't so sure was true. And it was much more like I didn't want to believe it was true because then I had to change my behavior. But having said all that, one day, and it was by the Holy Spirit, but one day I just said, you know, Lord, I probably didn't say you know, I said, Lord, I don't understand, but I choose to believe. I don't understand. I don't understand. This is beyond me. How you could come up with these kind of ideas that, that the church comes up with and what rationale they come up with it. I don't understand all that, but I choose to believe. And I, and I can tell you that this was not just a psychological experiment. Instantaneously, I believed. And I discovered that what the church teaches is what Jesus, to believe in the church is to believe in Jesus, and to believe in Jesus is to believe in the church. It may help a lot of people out there to to be uh, stubborn and pig-headed like me and just say, I choose to believe. I I think you took a good example maybe from uh, St. Peter. I remember when uh, our Lord was talking uh, about his body and blood in the great discord in John 6, and everyone left, and he said to Peter, are you going to leave too? And I don't think Peter had a a fully appreciation of everything he said from a theological standpoint, but he says, who else should we go to? He had faith. Next week, we are going to be with Father Augustine Weta, and we're going to be talking about the Desert Fathers with uh, Stephen... McCain, the professor Stephen McCain. It's a it's an episode not to miss. Please tell a friend, come back. Deacon, thanks so much for coming. We'll see you next God time. Bless you. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ.
Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope it made a difference in your life. And more importantly, I bet you you know people who need to hear what was said today. Uh, I mean, you can call in here at 636-447-6000 and ask for a copy of this. We're happy to give it to you. Um, but maybe pass on God's love to someone else who probably needs it. Amen, amen. We'll see you next time. God bless.